0: and you know what you're supposed to do, the world will not be able to convince you otherwise. I think it was Dylan I was talking to yesterday, uh, and she was saying they were out on Teen Soul Winning. Uh, I guess it was last year, because they haven't had Teen Soul Winning this year. And uh, they ran into, I believe it was a Muslim gentleman, and uh, they told him we're Central Baptist Church, went and invited him to church, and, and then tried to share Christ with him. He says, listen, I am very satisfied with my faith and who I am. He was, he was kind, if I'm not mistaken. He says, but are you very satisfied with who you believe in? And Dylan says that he proceeded to try to convert them. Now, I don't think it worked, did it? All right, it didn't work. Why? Because she knows who she is. She knew knew what she believed. She knew what thus saith the Lord, and no one could convince her otherwise. Why? Because she was reinforced with truth. Now the reason today that we're falling to so many false doctrines, we get out of a a Bible-believing church, we get swept off out in these non-denominational things that don't know what they believe or what they stand on, is because we are not reinforced with truth. We do not know what thus saith the Lord on who we are supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. Now what does 1 John say? We're not going to read the entire book, but you read chapter 1, 1 John says that God is light, and that we're to walk in light. God can say that. Why? Because he's our God. God is light, and we're supposed to walk in light. Chapter 2, the Bible tells us uh, in 1 John not to love the world. That's still in effect, by the way. No, it's not popular, but it's still valid. Chapter 3 tells us to love one another and to love our brother. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes it's harder to love our our own brothers uh, in the flesh and his brothers in the spirit. The Bible says to love our brothers. Chapter 4 tells us to try the spirits. Be careful that not every spirit that's out there is of God. There's a lot of seducing spirits out there in the world that seek to lead us astray. Verse chapter 5 speaks of overcoming the world and knowing that we're saved. Now, this is the truth that we're supposed to be reinforced with. We're not supposed to love the world. We're supposed to walk in light. We're supposed to love our brother. And on and on and on, the word of God tells us the conduct by which we should live. Now, you say, that's a tall order. Absolutely, it's a tall order. It's going to be your life's work. You will spend your entire Christian life trying to live out what 1 John is talking about. And now you're probably wondering, how do we maintain that type of conviction? And that level of conviction to walk into light, to love our brother, to not be overcome by the world. How do we maintain that type of conviction in the midst of a world that is so corrupting? Well, the secret is in chapter number 1 right here in the introduction. Now, I want you to notice what's happening here. John begins the book by helping them get acquainted with Christ. Before he tells them all of these areas of Christian conduct that they should follow, and he tries to reinforce them with all these chapters of truth, he reacquaints them with Christ. Now notice what he says at the end of verse 1. Our hands have handled of the word of life. This is speaking of Christ. Before he tells them all that they're going to need to do to grow in Christ in the midst of a corrupt culture, he reacquaints them with Christ. Why? Because here's the point I want you to get today. There is no problem, there's no struggle, and there is no command that you're going to find too great to do for God as long as you stay acquainted with Christ. If you will stay acquainted with Christ and walk with Christ and maintain a close relationship with Christ, there's no temptation that will overcome you. And there's no, too, there's no command that's too great for you. That's why John at the very beginning says, hey, we held the word of life. We heard the word of life. We saw the word of life. And folks, can I tell you something today? The reason that we are corrupted by our society Rather than stand on conviction, we get corrupted by the world we're living in. It's because we're not acquainted with Christ. What did Jesus say? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, would you say that love is an acquaintance? I'd say it's a little bit more than an acquaintance. My wife is a little bit more than an acquaintance, all right? She is the love of my life, all right? And the more that you love somebody, the more you're willing to do for them. And so before John gives them chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 on walking in the light, not being overcome by the world, watch this, loving your brother. Can I tell you, look, there are some people in this world that are hard to love. There are a lot of people in this world that are hard to love. Some of you in this room are hard to love. No, I, I do love you. Sometimes it's hard to love you, but I do love you all the same. Do you know that you can love your brother when you're well acquainted with Christ? You get acquainted with Christ, you'll be able to love your brother like you're supposed to love your brother. And not just the ones that are in your family. You get acquainted with Christ, and you're going to be able to walk in the light because God is light. You get acquainted with Christ, and you're going to be able to overcome the world. But the reason we're not able to do those things is because we're not following the introduction that John gives us on being acquainted with Christ. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, we know this passage very well. What does the Bible say? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassionate about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which has so easily beset us. Is that easy? No. It's hard laying aside those weights. But how do we do that? Keep reading in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus. When you're trying to run your race, and it's just hard to run my race, it's hard to run in the light, it's hard to love my brother, listen, it's hard to overcome the world. How do I do that? It's hard to run this race. It says, looking unto Jesus. When your race gets hard to run, We've got to get better acquainted with Christ. You keep reading in Hebrews chapter 12. I promise, we're going to get into the message. The points are short today, so the introduction's long. Verse 2 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Do you know what this corrupting world will do for you? It'll make you weary. It's just hard to run. Hard to raise a good kid. It's hard to have a godly home. It's hard to pastor a church. It's hard to teach a Sunday school class. And you're going to be weird in your mind. So what does the Bible say in Hebrews? Consider him. What does that say? Get back acquainted with Christ. So this morning, we're going to look at that subject of getting acquainted with Christ. And listen, if you're lost this morning and you're thinking, you know, this world is too attractive to turn from. You know, repentance is still in the Word of God. You know, and you turn from the world when you're lost, you turn from that and you turn to Christ all at the same time. It all happens in one fell swoop. You're turning from something to something. That's what repentance is. And you said, I just don't know that I can turn from all of this to Christ. You get acquainted with Christ and you'll be able to. You'll find out as that song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim." In the light of his glory and grace, listen, you get acquainted with him, you'll have no problem turning your back on this. That's for the lost. But you know, that also goes for the saved. How often do we turn from Christ back to the world? And we're thinking, man, how do I turn my back on that? I've got back into sin. I've got out of the habit of being in church. COVID got us out of church. How do I get out of these bad habits? Just get back acquainted with Christ. You get acquainted with him, all of these things will grow strangely dim. I find it amazing when the lost get saved and all of a sudden they find it weird that their life is weird. I used to love that stuff. I used to care for that stuff. I used to do anything for that stuff. And now I just want to be at church and in the word of God and around God's people. What happened? They got acquainted with Christ. You'll be amazed at things you could do if you just got acquainted with Christ. So this morning, let's look at getting acquainted with Christ. There's three things in this passage of scripture I think John wants to help us with. Now, look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now, notice the great detail that John is using to describe his relationship with Christ. He could have just said, we knew him. But he says, we have heard him, we have seen him with our eyes, we've looked upon him. Our hands have handled of the word of life. Now, watch this. You got to see this this morning. This is wonderful. John is going into great detail describing how real of a relationship he had with Christ. This is important. You got to get this, okay? Notice he says, We saw him, we heard him, and we even handled him. We touched, what does the Bible say? The word of life. The first thing we all need this morning in order to get acquainted with Christ, is we need to see the reality of Christ, all right? The reality of Christ. Stay with me here. John's conviction, all the things he's about to preach on and teach on in 1 John, the things that are difficult to do, all of the things he's about to talk about are coming out of a connection with Christ. John says, listen, I'm not talking about somebody that I don't know. He says, listen, I have such a conviction with Christ because I have such a connection with Christ. You'd be amazed at what kind of convictions you could have if you just had a better connection with Christ. But watch this. The reason we're more convicted about holding on to the things of the world is because more of a connection with them. You get it? All right? The reason we're not willing to do for Christ the things we should do for Christ, loving our brother, walking in light, overcoming the world, all the things that First John talks about, the reason we have no conviction about those things is because our connection with Christ is not what it should be. John says here, I just didn't just have a passing relationship of a Facebook friendship. John's resolve, and I want you to hear this today. John's resolve for Christ was a reflection of his relationship with Christ. He said it wasn't a passing relationship of somebody I knew their name. How often do we have you know, 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 friends on Facebook? And how many of those people do we really know? Probably if you really knew them, you didn't want to be their friend in the first place. Because <laughs> there's some weirdos out there. I've had some people send me a friend request before, and I'm thinking, why do you think I want to be your friend? You scroll through their feed, and you're thinking, man, this guy's the next America's Most Wanted poster boy. I don't have anything to do with him. And that's how our friendship with Christ is oftentimes. It's just a passing Facebook friendship. It's not based on relationship. Look, you're going to have to have resolve to do all the things First John talks about in the midst of a corrupt world. You've got to have resolve. You're not going to do it just being a Sunday morning Christian only. You've got to have some spiritual grit in order to grow in the midst of a world that seeks to corrupt you. Where does the resolve come from? Relationship. John says... I saw him, I heard him. The Bible says we handled the very word of life. It wasn't just a casual knowledge. And I fear, watch, this is why we implode. Because most of us, our relationship with Christ is nothing more than a casual knowledge. We repeat the verses we heard grandma say or mom say, nothing wrong with that. But I assure you this, you're not going to have much resolve. Who is he talking to? He's talking to a young church. And he says, you've got to grow in a corrupt world. How are you going to do that? That's the only way we're going to do that. The resolve comes from a relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see this this morning. How resolved you will be is going to be determined by how real Christ is. How resolved you are in your Christian walk will totally be decided by how real Christ is to you. If he's real to you, you're going to have resolve. But if he's just a bumper sticker on your car, you're not going to make it in a corrupting world. John says, we saw him. We heard him. We handled him. He says, look, it was a real relationship. When you have a real relationship with Christ, I'm talking about a real one, where you walk with him. You listen to him. I'm talking about, look, he says, we handled him. It was real. It was something you can hold. That's the kind of relationship you need with Christ. One that you can put your hands on. Not just a maybe relationship, not just something you heard from somebody else. I'm talking about a real relationship with Christ. I'll give you an example. Uh, several years ago, Miley was young. Today's her birthday. She turned 14. We've been reliving a lot of her childhood memories through photos on our phones. And um, she came to us uh, years ago and she says, Remember that ice cave we went to? And I'm thinking, no. Remember, there's a guy standing there and he had a spear and there was a polar bear. And I'm thinking, there's something wrong with our child. I thought she was normal up until that moment. I thought she was not going to get any of my weird genes. And then all of a sudden, she's telling me this story about the time that we went to this ice skate. There's a man with a spear and a polar bear. And I'm thinking, sweetheart, we've never done that. I mean, if, if I go get a polar bear, it's going to be on a polar bear hunt, okay? It's not just going to go look at one. She says, no, Dad, we, we were there, and there's a man standing there, and he has a spear, and there's a polar bear, and there was snow blowing all around. I said, well, now I know you're out of your mind. We don't live anywhere near where there's snow. And I said, Miley, look, you dreamed it, baby. I know dreams can be real. I dream that I have hair all the time. What a disappointment when you wake up. (laughs) I mean, what a disappointment. It it really is. Uh, Brother Josh did tell me about something to grow my hair back, and I'm going to try that this week. Stay tuned. You never know. I might have a mullet before too terribly long. We'll see. I just kept telling Miley, Miley, it's not real, baby. You dreamed it and you think it's real. No, daddy, he's, man, spear, polar bear, snow and all of this. I said, okay, Miley, okay. Several years later, we were in Disney World riding through the the big golf ball, Spaceship Earth. We're riding through there, kind of going up, up the hill there, and Miley goes, ice cave. And there stood a man with a spear and a polar bear, and there was snow blowing all around. She was right. She was right, it was real. Now watch this. I was never able to back her down and convince her it wasn't. No matter how much I told her, Miley, you're dreaming this. You had too much cough syrup. You came out of the the dentist office with the nose and you're just a little bit wacky and you thought that happened. Hey, dreams are great, but it's not real. I never changed her mind. She was like, no, daddy, it's real. I couldn't back her down and I could not change her mind. Why? You see where we're going? It was real. It was real. Do you know why the world backs you down and backs me down? Do you know why the world gets us to change rather than we're able to get the world to change? It's because our relationship with Christ is not real. It's not real. John says, listen, you're going to be able to overcome the world and love your brother and walk in light, but your relationship's got to be the kind that I had. What kind? It's the kind that we have seen him with our eyes. We've heard him with our ears, and we've handled the very word of life. Folks, I want to tell you something. The world's gunning for you as a child of God, and they're going to back you down. And they're going to change your mind. And you're going to adopt their principles rather than they adopt your principles. Why? Because your relationship with Christ is not real. It's got to be more than just a Sunday morning time where you come and you sing. It's got to be a Monday morning real and a Tuesday morning real and a Wednesday morning real. And if your relationship with Christ is not what it ought to be, don't be surprised if you don't end up acting more like them than them act like you. Folks, listen to me. John is showing them here the reality of Christ. He says, this is not a pipe dream or somebody who's sitting up on a cloud playing a harp with lightning bolts who's ready to strike me down when I'm wrong. This is a personal relationship that I have with my Savior. I know him. And you ain't changing my mind. Oh, if our young people had that. That's my prayer for the young people of Central Baptist Church. When they leave our, our four walls of this church and go out there into the world, nothing's going to back them down. Look, we're not passing out religion here at Central Baptist Church. We're passing out a relationship with Christ and a relationship that's real where they have heard him, they've seen him, and they've handled him, as John says in verse number 1. John chapter number 6, read something really interesting. The Bible says that Jesus said, He said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Now listen close to what the Bible says. From that time, many of his disciples went back And walked no more with him. Jesus said something that's kind of hard to swallow. I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of things in here that are hard to swallow. You think I have the easiest job in the world? I just get up here and holler about it. Man, I wish I got to just get up here and holler and spit on those brave people on the front row. I wish I could, do you know, I got to chew this up before I can spit it out. I got to swallow this stuff too. And sometimes you start chewing something, it's a little bit hard to swallow, isn't it? The Bible says that he said something kind of tough for them to understand, and they went back and walked no more. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Simon, are you going to do the same thing? Things got a little bit tough, hard to swallow. I don't know if I like that. I don't know like the changes that brings to my life. Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Listen close. And we believe and are sure. That thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. What is Peter saying? Not going nowhere, not backing down, not going home like everybody else did. Why? Because you're the real deal. We believe you're the real deal. We believe we found exactly what we were looking for. There's no reason to go back and to go back to where we're from. Why? Because we found what we needed already. Now, folks, if your relationship with Christ is what it ought to be, it's a real personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll promise you, the world has nothing to offer you worth going back to. But it's got to be real. You say, how do you know? How do you know? Well, what you're willing to trade for it. If you've got a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be hard for you to trade that for anything the world has to offer because all they can offer is cheap knockoffs. The Lord offers you a Rolex. The world offers you a Bolex. I saw one of those in a bus station in Jacksonville, Florida one time. A guy tried to sell me one in a bathroom of a bus station. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're out for a good timepiece, you don't get it in the bathrooms of bus stations, okay? You look closely on the watch, it didn't say Rolex, it said Bolex. Why? It was a knockoff. Look, if you're purchasing a watch in a bathroom, the odds are it's not very good. That's all the world has to offer. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ offers us something real, a personal relationship with him. And you can have that. If you're saved, that's what you have. But you know what? After a while, we drift away from Christ, don't we? The Christian life's like a treadmill. I try to stay away from those things. They're dangerous. I've seen too many of the AFV videos of people getting hurt and humiliated on treadmills. So I stay away from treadmills. Why? Because I don't want to be hurt and I humiliate myself enough. What happens if you stop on a treadmill? Some of you are like, what is a treadmill? I can see your face. What is a treadmill? You know it's that thing you get on and you run? If you stop, you're gone. And watch this, we quit running, the relationship with Christ gets old. You know, we get excited, we get saved, we get excited, man, we wanna charge hell with a squirt pistol. And our relationship with Christ gets old, and we drift away from Christ, the world looks more attractive to us again. And slowly but surely, we go right back where the knockoffs are. Why? Because we didn't stay acquainted with Christ as we should. I've got to hurry. Oftentimes we get surprised why church people quit. I'm not talking about the Lord leads somebody to somewhere else. I'm talking about when church people quit. Man, they just quit church. Oftentimes the reason people quit church is because all they had was religion. And they didn't have a relationship. You know, my wife and I, sometimes we disagree, believe it or not. S- S- Seldom. Seldom. But you know we're able to outlast those disagreements and difficult times why? Man, because our relationship is stronger. You see, that's what's got to, your relationship with Christ has got to be stronger than the pull of the world. It's got to be stronger. Matter of fact, you read all throughout scripture, you'll find out the people who had those close walks with God, the Daniels, the Davids, the Josephs, nothing could pry them away why? Because their relationship with Christ was stronger. I think if you're to ask Paul, Paul would tell you that Christ has to be more real than your problems. The reason so often that our problems overwhelm us and crush us is because our problems are more real than our relationship with God. If our relationship with God is as real as our problems, I assure you, our problems will not overwhelm us. Keep reading in the Word of God, you'll find Peter would tell you that Christ has to be more real than your doubts. Oh, he was doing good when he was walking on water, but all of a sudden his doubts got bigger than his faith, and that's when he began to go under. Folks, listen, if we're going to want to prosper and thrive and build a home and raise our children in a world that seeks to corrupt us and to corrupt them, the only way we're going to do that is to have a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And John says, Before I tell you anything, all that I'm about to tell you is based on a personal relationship that I had with him. I heard him, I saw him, and I handled him. We'll sing the song probably next week. I'm not telling Brother Heath to do this, but most of the time around Easter, we sing the song, He Lives. I serve a risen Savior. I'm not going to sing it for you because I'm not as good as Brother Nate is. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I don't care what men say. He's not real. You're worshiping the cloud. You're wasting this life. This is the only one you got. Live it for yourself. Live it up. I know he lives whatever men may say. Why? You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. It's real. It's more than goosebumps. I feel sorry for those people in the modern churches today who all they give out is goosebumps when God offers way more than goosebumps. He offers you a personal relationship that's very, very real. So number one, if we're going to get better acquainted with Christ or reacquainted with Christ, we've got to see the reality of Christ. He offers us something real. Keep reading. Look down to verse 2. I'll tell you what. Let's just go on to verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Now, notice what a real relationship is going to do and what Christ comes with here in verse number three. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. This is not number two, but can I throw this in here right quick? Notice what they did when they had a real relationship. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. I'm going to drop this real quick, and I'm going to move on, all right? I'm going to pull the pin, drop it, and run away. The more acquainted you are with Christ, the more you're willing to share him the more acquainted you are with Christ. What did he say? That which we have seen and heard, he says, look, you know, I have a hard time. If you come up to me this morning and you say, Brother Jeremiah, I need you to do me a favor. I am a, I'm a unicorn salesman. I said, okay. I'd probably take a couple steps back and then continue the conversation. I'm a unicorn salesman, and I want you to be a unicorn salesman as well. What do you want me to sell? Unicorns, where are they at? They're right here. And I don't see the unicorns. Yeah, there's there a whole herd of them. And I want you to take this herd of unicorns and go door to door and sell those unicorns when you're out passing out tracts. Number one, I'm going to call security, all right? Number two, no thank you. No thank you. Look, you have a hard time selling something that's not real, all right? Imagine me going to somebody's door and knocking on the door, the volume of church. Hey, by the way, while I'm here at your door, I'd like to say this brand new unicorn And they're saying, which one? It's right here. I mean, this is look, we polished his horn up for you. We brushed his mane out. They'd slam the door on you quicker than Jehovah's Witness. (laughs) Why? It's hard to sell something that's not real. Are you with me? Are you with me? I fear so often in the church today, our relationship with Christ is just a little bit above a unicorn. All right? It's just barely there. And the reason we have trouble sharing it is because it's not real to us. Let it get real to you. Look, you talk to him, you hear from him, you handle him, your relationship's so real, you can hold it. You'll have no problem sharing it. We talk about our doctors all the time. Well, my doctor blessed, my doctor this, and my vitamins this, and my gym this, and my car that, and my gun that, and my boss that. And when it comes to God, crickets. Why, our relationship's not as real as it should be. That's not number two, okay? That was just a freebie that we threw right in um, as we go along the way. Verse number three, notice the point here. I want to give it to you. It says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have. Notice that. When you get acquainted with Christ, Christ brings something with him. Now this is kind of hard to understand because oftentimes we see Christ coming our way and we run from him, all right? We run from him like he's got the plague. Christ wants a closer relationship with us and he tries to draw nigh to us and we run from him. We run out those doors as quick as we can. Why? Because I don't want to have a closer relationship with Christ because it's going to cost me something. But notice verse 3 says that we have that, uh, get acquainted with Christ, it develops that ye also may have. You see, Christ offers us opportunity, and that's number two. Notice the opportunity in Christ. The Bible says that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also also may have fellowship with us, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, through Christ, we have a relationship with our Father. Christ offers you something. Now, common misconception among loss, and I hate to say it even among saved people, is that getting acquainted with Christ is going to result in a net loss. All right, and I use those words carefully, the word net loss. Meaning the closer you get to Christ, the more it's going to cost you. Yes and no. All right? I'm not going to tell you that the closer you get to Christ and getting acquainted with Christ to where you see, you hear, and it's close enough to hold, I'm not going to say it's not going to cost you anything. It, it is going to cost you something. All right? You're not going to be able to walk in darkness anymore. You're not going to be able to be overcome by the world. You're not going to be able to hate your brother anymore. All right? You're not going to be able to hold on to your pride and hate your brother. No, it's going to cost you some things. But here's what I want you to see. When you subtract what you lose by what you gain, you're in the plus category. We call that profit. Now, I know our government doesn't believe in that, all right? You just spend, 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 and you never worry about any type of a profit. That's because it's not responsible for them to make any money. They just take money. And so they don't understand this statement. But in business world, you folks that are in the business world, you know in order to stay in business, you've got to make more than you spend. Some of you are like, I just got it. That is why we have no money. <laughs> you just figured it out. You got to bring in more than goes out, all right? Look, I'm so thankful for my godly wife because as a young man, I made really good money before I got married, and I just spent, spent, spent until I got the overdraft notice in the mail. My wife says, where's all that money you made? It is gone. I spent it on food and shoes when I was just a young man. Here's what we do. We see Christ coming, and we see us coming to Christ. If I was just drawing nigh unto Christ, and he'll draw nigh unto us, and we don't want to get close or acquainted with Christ because we think it's going to cost us but all you're looking at is what you're going to lose You're not looking at what you're going to gain And when you subtract what you're going to lose From what you're going to gain You're still in the plus category I honestly believe this Many people are struggling in their walk with God this morning Because they're bad at math I believe that We don't want to walk in the light We, we don't want to overcome the world We don't want to love our brother All the things that 1 John is talking about Why? Because it's going to cost us too much But we're just bad at math So what do you mean? It's the same problem in Matthew 16, verse 26. What did Jesus say? For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What is Jesus doing right there? He's giving them a math lesson. We look at the world and say, if I gain the entire world. I've been reading about a lot of these billionaires we have in the world today, Elon Musk and uh, Jeff Bezos or Bezos, whatever his name is, Amazon, all these guys, billionaires, all these things they have. Isn't it fun to dream? What would you do with a million or a billion dollars? buy an island, you know, build a big wall around it where nobody could come to my island, stuff like that. And, you know, nice place to go on a vacation or Molly wanted to buy an airplane the other day so she'd go to Disney World anytime? time she wants to go to Disney World. And we have all these ideas of what we do. We're thinking, man, what a lucky guy that is. Have all the money in the world to do what he wants to. But you know, if he dies lost, he loses it all. Yes. Not only does he lose all that he had here because you can't take that with you, he lost the only thing he could take with him that never dying soul that all of us had. And we're like, if I get saved and become a Christian, I have to give give up all of these things and I have to turn my back on all of these things. No, you're missing the opportunity. Christ brings opportunity. What does John 10:10 10, 10 say? I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Why do we run from him? Why do we run from him? Christ has there in his big gift box, life and abundant life. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ, and he comes and knocks on your heart's door. Look, he's not trying to bug you or bother you. He's trying to give you something. He's trying to give you life. What did verse 3 say? That ye also may have. Have. God wants you to have something this morning. Look, as a nine-year-old kid when the Holy Spirit knocks on my heart's door on a Wednesday night in October 1989, I didn't know what he wanted, but I knew he wanted something because he was knocking. Isn't that what he says in Revelation? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And we look out. We look. Now we have those ring doorbells. You know, I told Brother Bo, Brother Bo was my partner yesterday, out knocking doors, and we went and did a little soul winning over at the the community not far from our church. And every time we walked up to a door, the ring doorbell. I said, "That's the nemesis of door knockers. Why? Because now they can see you." They can see you from work when you have one of those ring doorbells, you know. Some of you that have one at your house, I knew you were home, okay. I knew you were home. You shouldn't answer the door. Why? Because you saw it was me. And when God comes to our door, knocks on our door, we look through our ring doorbell. I was going to say peephole. We don't use that anymore, do we? We have ring doorbells. And we see that it's God, and we're like, oh, no. Shhh. Is that what we tell the kids? For those of you who live in a house on piers or, or a mobile home where you can hear people walking, don't move. Don't move. The preacher's there. You got your kid in a chokehold. But mom is Brother Jeremiah, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's probably got crispy creams or candy or something like that. Don't move. Don't move. Trust me, it's as awkward for me as it is for you. Because I can hear you. I'm trying to pretend like I don't hear you. What gets me every time, I've told you this before, what gets me every time is when I go visit somebody at night, and that blue glow from the television is, is lighting up the entire house, and it's, I, evidently my car fries the electrical system of people's houses, because as soon as I pull up in their driveway, their power goes out. <laughs> TV goes off, lights go off, nobody's home. We do that for God. We do that for God. When verse 3 says, getting acquainted with Christ, a real relationship with Christ, results in us having something. God wants us to have something. It says that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Can't help but think about what the Bible says in Jeremiah 2. We've been preaching in Lamentations on Wednesday night. And Jeremiah 2, kind of leading up to that, verse 11 says, Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. You traded what you had for what you couldn't keep, and you ended up having nothing. When what God wanted to offer us was opportunity. Can you imagine Jesus standing at the graves of Lazarus? Now this is hypothetical, okay? That means it didn't really happen, but let's pretend that it did. Jesus standing at the grave of Lazarus. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And also in the voice out of the grave says, No, I'm good. Fine, I'm all right. Hey, just hey, why don't you go next door to the next guy? No, he was giving him the opportunity of life. I am come that you might have life. And he stood there at the opening of the sepulcher and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And I don't know if Lazarus could run all wrapped up, but if he could, I bet you he would. Why? I want to get out of here. I don't like graveyards. Can you imagine being in a sepulcher, a tomb by yourself? Ooh, kind of creeps you out a little bit. I wouldn't want to stay in there either. He's like, thank God you called me out of that. That's what he does for all of us. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. Watch, Holy Spirit of God comes up. He might do it to you today. Then he speaks to your heart. and He says, hey, come forth. Come out of all of that. I'm good. How sad it would be to live a life in darkness and death when he offers us life. You see, Christ brings the opportunity for us to be saved. But then he goes to say life more abundantly. It's sad today that a lot of Christians are not living an abundant life. You're not living an abundant life. You're living a life, and you have a life. You're saved. You can never lose it. You're sealed into the day of redemption. That's why they call it everlasting life, because it lasts forever. All right? I don't know if you knew that, but that's why it means that. And you have a life, but you're not living the abundant life. Why? Because you run from Christ. The opportunity is in Christ. He brings opportunity to us, and yet we tell him no. Why? Because we like our life. Revelation chapter 3, verse twenty. He says to the church at Laodicea, which that age is where we're at today. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I believe with all of my heart, the Holy Spirit of God is gonna knock on hearts in this room's door this morning. He's gonna offer salvation to the lost, the opportunity to be saved. He's going to offer an abundant life to those that are already saved. And the reason we don't have it is because of what? It says, if any man hear my voice and open the door, you've got to do your part. You've got to be willing to accept the opportunity that comes your way. You know, Amazon can deliver package after package after package to your door, and you open it every time. I mean, who knows, the UPS guy could be the next serial killer, but you're gonna open up that door, why? Because Amazon's got something good for me, and yet we have the Lord Jesus Christ who knocks on our door to deliver us something better than Amazon. We won't open the door. He knocked on Zacchaeus' door and gave him the opportunity for salvation. He knocked on the disciples' door and gave him the opportunity for service. He knocked on Bartimaeus' door and gave him the opportunity for sight. He knocked on the grieving's door and gave him an opportunity for peace. He knocked on the sick's door and gave him an opportunity for healing. And I just think this morning, all oh, the opportunities that await us as his people if we would just get acquainted with Christ. There's opportunity if you just get acquainted with him. He offers so much to us, and John says... He offers fellowship with us, not only that, but fellowship with the Father. Finally, look at verse 4, and we're going to be done today. We see the reality of Christ. Your relationship's got to be real. When you have a real relationship, it brings the opportunity to have something. Verse 4 kind of gives us a little more insight in what that thing is that we can have. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now, God's allowing us to see the end result of what happens when you get acquainted with Christ, all right? The world wants you to think, you get close to Christ, you get acquainted with Christ, it's for nothing. You've wasted your time. You've wasted your life. I saw a couple of our young people today, just trying to encourage them. Ecclesiastes 12, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Get acquainted with God while you're young. You have no bills. You have no taxes. You really have not much responsibility. I mean, you've got good health. Get acquainted with Christ while you're young, Because there's going to come a time when you don't have any money, you do have taxes, and you don't have any health left. And the opportunity is going to be gone. Get acquainted with Christ. But oftentimes, the world tells our young people, if you spend your childhood getting acquainted with Christ, you're going to miss the opportunity to sow your wild oats. What a waste. Wild oats don't even taste good. Verse 4 says that your joy may be full. We get to see a little bit in depth here of what Christ offers to us. We have a real relationship with Christ. It brings opportunity, and that opportunity, the Bible says, is to have joy. No, it says that our joy may be full. The last thing I want you to see this morning is the sufficiency of Christ. I'm so thankful that my God doesn't do anything halfway. The Lord Jesus Christ did not come here to live, to die, and to rise again. To give me a maybe-so salvation or a hope-so salvation. He gave me a no-so salvation. Well, how do you know that? Well, turn to chapter 5. Look at verse 13. You ought to underline this verse, and every time the devil gets you to doubt, you ought to read it to him. Oh, he hates it when you read to him. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You know what knowing is? That's certainty. That's certainty. The Bible says, watch, that when we have a real relationship with Christ, Christ brings opportunity, and that opportunity is that our joy would be full. Now, what's happening here is he's given us the opportunity to have sufficiency, and listen close, satisfaction. Satisfaction. Well, how do you know that? Joy is that emotion that we get when we're completely satisfied. Amen. Think about it. When do you have joy? When, there's, when you're satisfied. I remember Miley. I've been looking through pictures, having some dead moments. Today, she's turning 14, growing up. I remember when she was a baby, and, you know, she'd be crying during the night, and Leslie wouldn't get up to feed her, and so I'd have to get up and go do it, you know, thinking she gave birth to a child or something. She gets to lay around all night, and so I'd get up and go in there and give her the bottle. I'd like, she's just crying, you know. I'd give her that bottle, and she'd just feed, and all of a sudden, then she'd start cooing. You know, babies I'm not even going to attempt to do it because it'd be embarrassing, but, you know, you know those babies just coo. You can tell they're just, they have joy, they have fulfillment, they're satisfied. Joy is a reflection of satisfaction. Watch this. And what Christ can bring to your life is something nobody else can. It's sufficiency and satisfaction. Only Christ can do that. And by running from Christ, we're running from what brings satisfaction. That's why we don't have it. It says, the things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. Now, what Christ is offering is spiritual satisfaction. That means satisfaction that will last. So how long will it last? Throughout all eternity. Throughout all eternity. This morning, can I tell you, when you get acquainted with Christ, whether in salvation for the lost or that abundant life for the saved, when you get acquainted with Christ, you will find satisfaction. I talked to some of our people yesterday. Uh, a lot of our folks were out knocking on doors, and boy, we didn't have really good luck yesterday. Just a lot of folks were not home, but a lot of our folks did. And a few people I talked to said, well, somebody, uh, somebody may have been a little unkind, and somebody may have slammed the door, and somebody may have been a little rude about not wanting to, to take the gospel track. And, and yet in the midst of the difficulty, I could still hear the joy because they were being obedient to go and to share Christ for the lost world. Even in the midst of a time where, oh, I hate when people tell me no. I hate when people don't want to come to church. I hate when people don't want to hear what I have to say. I hate when people don't want to get saved. And it kind of hurts my feelings a little bit. But even when I walk away from those doors, there's still a sense of satisfaction. I can have joy even in difficult times. Why? Because I'm being obedient to Christ. Only Christ can offer us satisfaction in times where you should not be satisfied and you should not have joy. Third John. Chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now watch this. I have no greater joy. Let's substitute satisfaction. There's nothing more satisfying than to see or to hear that his children are walking in truth. Psalms six five. they that sow in tears shall reap in What? Joy, what does that mean? It means there's going to be satisfaction. Right now you're sowing and you're knocking on doors, you're inviting people to church, you're sharing Christ, you're witnessing to your loved ones and your coworkers, and it's tough, and they don't want to hear what you have to say. But the Bible says, listen, there's satisfaction. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. There's satisfaction coming, but it only comes through Christ. Wednesday night, I'll give you this, when we're going to close. I told you about David and how David, after his sin with Bathsheba, David leaves that close relationship he had with God. He was a man after God's own heart. Oh, he had it, and he gave it up to go back and do what he wanted to do. In Psalm 51, David comes back to God, and what does he say? Restore unto me the joy. Now, hear me out. David says, you know what? I don't want that right now. I want that right now, and he went and he took Bathsheba. Why? He was seeking satisfaction, was he not? What other reason would David go and steal another man's wife and commit adultery with her? He was seeking satisfaction. The same reason we leave God. We're seeking some type of satisfaction. And yet he comes back to God and what does he say? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He comes back to God and he says, I went over there for satisfaction, but truthfully it cost me satisfaction. And now I'm coming back to you because you're the only one who can restore that satisfaction. Now, folks, hear me out. Look, you may be here this morning and you're lost. The Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart. And you need to get saved. You need to trust Christ. You're like, I just can't because this is what satisfies me in the world. No, 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 no. It's not going to last. It, this life is a vapor. It appears for a moment and it vanisheth away but he offers us salvation what does it say here that your joy may be full that means it's sufficient choosing not to get acquainted with christ is going to leave you unsatisfied mark god's word choosing not to get acquainted with christ is going to leave you unsatisfied it may be why you're unsatisfied right now that your joy may be what full only through christ will you find a full joy so I don't have a full joy. Look, that bring, make, bring you a little bit of happiness, but it's temporal. It's not going to last. You're going to have to keep going to it. You know that bottle that made Miley satisfied? About three hours later, a little demon wanted another one. I mean, Elbow and me Leslie, come on, it's your turn. Get out of bed. Come on, lazy woman, get out of bed. I just had a baby yesterday, but feed this child. You know? No, I was not that cruel, I promise. Ask her, she'll tell you. She needed another one. Why? It was temporal. It went away. It gave her a momentary joy, but it couldn't give her a full joy. Jesus told the woman at the well, I'll give you you something that'll never, ever run dry, a spring of water bubbling up that'll satisfy your thirst better than Gatorade any day of the week. But understand this, only through getting acquainted with Christ are you going to find satisfaction. So here's here's what it boils down to. John says in 1 John, I want you to to walk in the light, overcome the world, love your brother, all of these things. And you're thinking, whoo. How do we do all of those things? Especially living in a world where that's not very popular. Is It begins by having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, could you just see the reality of Christ? You need to have a real relationship with the Lord. And if you don't, there's no way on earth you can be able to do those things. Don't run from me today. Why? Because he's bringing you opportunity. There's opportunity in Christ. Whatever he's knocking on your heart's door about this morning, I don't know what it is. And I don't want to know what it is. But as he knocks on your heart's door this morning, he's bringing you opportunity that ye might have something. All of this stuff, you can't keep it. You can't take it with you. But he wants to give you something that you can have, and it's fellowship with the Father. Every time you walk away from here, it costs you fellowship with the Father, and he wants to have fellowship with you today. But you've got to take him up on that opportunity. The Bible says that there's sufficiency in Christ. You can have a full joy. You can be satisfied when you leave here today, but only through getting acquainted with Christ. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask everybody a question. I don't want you to answer me. I want you to answer the Lord. In your heart this morning, do you need to get better acquainted with Christ? Number one, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, do you need to get acquainted with Christ the first time? I promise you, at some point in your life, he's going to knock, and he wants to get acquainted with you, and he brings the opportunity of eternal life, but you've got to open that door. He says, I'll come in if you just open the door. Can I ask you a question? Is he knocking this morning? Is Christ wanting to get acquainted? Maybe this morning you are saved. You've already trusted Christ as your Savior. And yet he's knocking on your heart because he wants to get better acquainted with you. Not only does he want you to have life, he wants you to have that abundant life, but you're running from him. You're not answering the door. You're staying away. Why? Because you don't want to cost you anything. Truthfully, this morning, you're going to gain. You're going to have something when all is said and done. And that something you can have is sufficient. And it's satisfaction that you're only going to find through being acquainted with Christ. Father God, thank you this morning. Lord, for preserving your word that, Lord, as those in this early church lived in a very oppressive world, so do we. And yet, Father, you call us to walk in the light. You call us to love our brother. Father, You call us to overcome the world. Lord, you, you, you call us to love not the world in 1 John. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to do that. Well, the only way we're going to do that is to be well acquainted with Christ. If we love you, we will keep your commandments. I pray there's one lost here today who doesn't know for sure heaven's their home. Help them to come down this morning. Let someone take the word of God and show them how they can be acquainted with Christ as their personal Savior. And for the saved, help us get reacquainted today. Help us, Father, to seize the opportunity and have something sufficient and satisfying and something eternal. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The pianist is going to play.